0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Frustrated by Your Marketing podcast. My name is Jim D'Amico. I'm your host. And today I am joined by Justin Chen. He is the co-founder of PickFu. On his LinkedIn, he says it's the DIY enterprise-grade consumer research for anybody, which I think is great. We're going to talk about that a bunch today. It's the affordable and easy-to-use alternative to focus groups. I think that's the uh, what we used to do in the in the old days. I actually have never... Put one of those together because they're hard to do. They're expensive, and now you can you can do that within. I, I don't know. You had on LinkedIn a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. the The fastest pick in history was like it was minutes. You know, so the the turnaround time is is ultra fast, which is which is great as well. So, welcome, uh, Justin. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Looking forward to it. And then the other thing we're going to talk about today is, so uh, Justin's team at PickFu is fully remote, just like uh, our team at Skyline. Their their team's a little bit bigger. I think when we spoke in December, it was 20 people. I don't know if it's, if it's still 20 people yeah. or if it's grown uh, since then. But uh, I think it's great that uh, you're doing that. It's one of our missions at Skyline to, you know, not to make people commute to an office. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, know, you can get a lot of work done from all over the world. Yep. And there's no reason to to force your team into into one container i guess is the is what most companies do and so we'll talk about that a little bit today as well great so let's let's start there like I said it's a it's a mission of skyline and uh, it sounds like I don't know if it's part of your mission but it sounds like something that you embrace fully at, at PicPoo as well how have you find that found that do you do you do any in person at all or is it has it been 100% remote have you done any meetups or you know how do you I guess how do you how do you work that landscape of of remote work
1: yeah so when so when my co-founder John and I founded the company we were we were never in the same place so we we've been working together for i don't know 16 plus years and we've never been in the same place when we first started I was in Chicago he is in Seattle then I moved back to LA then he moved to San Francisco and so we kept working together and as we scaled the team we always we always thought it would be only fair to, you know, to be fully remote because we were fully remote and we found it to be incredibly productive for ourselves and able to have the work-life balance that we wanted. So we've always been very intentional about uh, being remote before, way before COVID. But yeah, we, we've always gotten together. Um, we started getting together, you know, every few months. And as we've scaled the team, what we do now is we, we get at least the leadership in person about once a year. We haven't been able to do a full team get together just because uh, logistically it's it's very difficult. And we scaled most of the team in, in the past few years uh, during COVID, so we haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. We do want to do it. Um, it's definitely on the on the radar. But yeah, we we try to get in person once a year, kind of like the the, the leadership, and we'll do some team building stuff. We'll do some planning activities. So that's that's always helpful, but it's always funny because by the time you meet someone in person, you you kind of already know them (laughs) from all the interaction you've done on 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 Zoom and Slack and like all these things. And so it's always odd because uh, I always feel like I feel like we've already met, but you know, (laughs) right? There's like a height (laughs) thing that's that's not quite right, but like that's usually the only thing that's off. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And you mentioned COVID, and so.
0: And I not know we spoke about this when we were doing our our pre-call uh, a couple of weeks ago what during so we've been rim, fully remote from from day one so it's been a sales point for our our company for hiring and then all of a sudden covid hit and every business yeah, everyone was became became fully remote and I said okay I guess we're going to lose that advantage you know because there are advantages to working for big companies stock options and you know all the things that come with working with a mega corporation And we can't compete with those and and you can't either. I know, you know, even though you're you're larger than Skyline, you know, there are these companies with tens of thousands of employees just have they have a different structure. Sure. And people they pick who they want to work for. And so one of the things that was a huge advantage for smaller companies like ours was this ability to make your life your life and and have that balance to go to the kids sports game during the day or or, you know, take off early on Fridays and work with your team, work with your boss and be available. And then again, COVID sort of took that all away, but within a year, it all went back. Like it's, you know, it's as if it never happened, which I'm I'm shocked by. Yeah. I I don't sure. know. I don't, I don't know why. I think maybe they're not hiring well or they don't trust their employees or they don't know how to manage them well or I'm not sure, but it's it's strange to me that that the Elon Musk of the world have have done a 180 on that so fast. I
1: think it's it's not just something you can I think they probably found that it's not something you just turn on. And if you don't hire appropriately, not everyone works effectively independently and in a remote situation. I know that for John and myself, as we were working on our business remotely, a lot of the, the growth and kind of like the struggle was actually in personal productivity and kind of like learning how to work independently and at home, finding, finding those right boundaries. And I think if you take a workforce that's never done that before and a company that's never done that before and just kind of throw them into remote. I can see why, you know, maybe old markers for productivity like didn't work anymore and individuals, they didn't have like workspaces set up properly. They just didn't know how to set the boundaries, all this kind of stuff. And I could see why maybe it didn't work for a lot of companies. And still, you meet people, um, even when you're trying to hire, I'm sure that, that would probably prefer to go into an office because maybe... Maybe they're younger. They they want some camaraderie or whatever. There's so, so many reasons for it, and so I definitely see that maybe it's not a the perfect fit for everyone. I am surprised, like you are, by the like the max uh, return to the office because I feel like so many people who are effective at working at home are kind of you know getting getting their lives upended because they found a new balance. You know, uh, I know a lot of other parents who. You know found a new balance where they're able to pick up their kids and go to these activities because of the remote work, and then all of a sudden now they've got to add the one to two hour commute back into their schedule and it's you know incredibly frustrating to you know turn your life around like that again. Yeah, and you, and so
0: you made a good point, and you're right, it's not for everybody yeah so I'm not surprised that it doesn't work for every company. I'm just yeah. surprised it worked for none of them <laughs> um, and you know it literally yeah. went from You know, 80% of companies were fully remote. I mean, obviously by, not by choice, but during COVID, I thought some of them would have retained it and almost none of them have. And it's, and you're, so your co-founder posted on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, I think. And it was a great post and it was like, sometimes I work at 4 a.m. Sometimes I am off in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I have to, you know, you know, clock out to go again, take my kid to some practice. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's about getting your, your job done. And I, and I think that that's, and it uh, was a post, I think about himself and also for sort of your employees and, yes. and sort of for the, the world in general. And it's, and it's true. And if you have that trust, of, you know, the, the, the piece that we have at Skyline is just, just let me know. Uh, yeah. There's very rarely going to be a, no, you can't do that. You know, right. Just, you know, less than half an hour ago after this recording, I'm going to have a meeting with Molly, who's who does ours our social media marketing at Skyline and we were gonna meet at three thirty and she's gotta I think pick up her her um, roommate from from work today. Could we move it a half an hour? Of course. And so, you know, why would I why would I say no to that? Like yep. there's no there's no reason why we have to meet at exactly three thirty today. It could right. be at four or three forty five or or whatever. So I don't know, you know, again, I don't know why some businesses don't have that flexibility and I don't know um you know, why, you know, why that, ex- I guess that exists, that lack of trust. Yeah. Um, and it comes, I think it comes down to maybe inability to communicate too, because, you know, let somebody know, I won't be here now, I'm gonna make it up at a different time, I'll, you know, the the deadline is the deadline, but uh, you
1: have to work, you have to work in that team as well, so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's funny because I think it's incredibly rare that there's actual some urgency to, to a, a certain meeting or maybe some internal uh, deadlines, and so as long as you communicate, like you said, like there is flexibility to to either shift things around or or get the work done on on your own schedule. And to your to your point about communication, again, I think working remotely just requires and forces all of us to be more communicative, more explicitly communicative, um, whether that's verbally in, in the meetings or on, on Slack or or writing more. But that's the good thing, right? Because like now you're you're documenting more and. Um, you know, one of the things that we try to to do with you know Slack uh, is to try to treat it as asynchronous because it's supposed to be. And you know, your messages shouldn't necessarily be super short, like "Hey, you're there," and then like expecting a synchronous communication. Like, try to put as much into like you know, maybe they're not going to come back, maybe they're not there for a few hours. So like, try to get it all down in a message because it is supposed to be asynchronous back and forth. And so, just getting in a better habit about getting as much out there in written form um, and, and doing more documentation. I, it's, it's a good habit for anyone. And I think uh, it's probably like a, a habit that has to be built uh, to experience. Yes. And yeah, that is another, like you said, it's not for
0: everybody. And I mean, it's easy for me to say everybody could do this. I've been doing it for 20 years. You've been yeah. doing it for, what is it, 13 or 14 years. So we've gotten really good at it. But, but anybody could do it if, if you sort of work on yeah. the, that skill set. Um, and asynchronous is my favorite and this is something that COVID gave to me, was the the Zoom, um, and the other one I use now a lot is, so we use um, ClickUp as our okay. content, or as our um, project management yep. software, you know, just like how we're, and so in there, there's the ability to essentially do a Loom, Yep. and there's also uh, Loom.com, so I am constantly recording, yep. and I hope that my team doesn't get too annoyed by it, but I'm constantly recording if, I guess if the email or the message is longer than a few sentences or a few points, usually I can express it much more easily by recording us or sure. you know, doing a screen recording. Like, hey, I think we need to move this color over here or I need we need to or or I ran this this pick poll. And uh, based <laughs> yeah. on this, I think we should do so this would be my transition into what we really need to be talking about today. So if we had run a poll, I would I would share my screen and I'd say, listen, this is our feedback you know let's here's what I think of here's how I think we need to react to it and for the next iteration yep and that's really hard to do in an email sure yeah and it's also hard to get a bunch of different people schedules to meet at the exact same time unless it's pre-scheduled so if you're gonna quickly pivot on something yep it's, it's a great way to do it and again I'm not asking you to be available at you know 2:46 PM right now. I'm asking you to be available sometime in the next hour or so yeah. to to listen to this and react. And it's better because you don't stop people's flow, you don't get in their way. But it's as if it, it's sort of the equivalent of knocking on the door, you know, in their office in in, in the real world. Versus, but but at the same time, I'm not interrupting them. Yep. You know, I'm sort of interrupting them when they have their next break. Yeah, for sure. And it's you know, so
1: that's how so we do that. I don't know if you've ever done. Uh, looms or, or oh yeah or like we use we we looms all the time um i i love it when the team gives me looms because uh also i could watch it faster so like it's not even never oh, placement yeah. <laughs> it's not even like a get 20 <laughs> right. minute for 20 minute it's like oh okay i can do a 1.5 maybe 2x and get get the same information a lot of times they do really good uh transcripts and summaries as well so like you can kind of like see the the recap if if maybe it goes a little rambly so okay. Yeah, we use looms a lot. And also for it's a good documentation for for training as well. So like if you're if you even if you write out an SOP for the team, and then also have a loom kind of like walk through it, I think it's a good complement to embed the two together. So it's it's a great tool.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so I guess to, to summarize this, I think it's great that you're doing it. I'm, I'm glad that others are doing it. I'm sort of uh, selfishly also glad that corporate America has <laughs> returned back to the the old ways because it gives us a competitive advantage as we yeah. grow our companies. But I do think that maybe it was just a little bit too soon, 10, 15 years from now, I think that you know, in our knowledge economy, most people are going to be doing what we're doing. Yeah. Like we're we're working in our home offices or our work shares or wherever it is. And we go back to our life within,
1: you know, it's a a one minute commute instead of a one hour commute. And I think especially if you consider a lot of the younger generation that had to go through school and are already doing everything natively, digitally, their expectation for work is probably going to be fully remote and, you know, going into the office is going to feel incredibly weird to them. So I suspect, like you said, in the next 10, 15 years after this generation who's done Zoom school. And even, even as I think a lot of schools return, there's a lot more recordings and online things. I think uh, their, their expectations are going to be very different than the current workforce. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So
0: that was sort of an aside that I wanted (laughs) to do because I was really excited that, that you had done this. Let's talk about PickFu. Again, it's, it's the affordable and easy to use alternative to that focus group. So I, Prepping for this, it, it's now a few weeks, so it'll be a little new to me because I did all this prep back in, in December, but I do remember a lot of it. So the story that I remember was this came as any good idea came out of necessity. So yes. your first company was not PickFu and uh, you and your partner put together put together PickFu to help uh, iterate for another company that you had and that it sort of became the main company. So can you tell me that story real quick and sort yeah. of how how this how this came out of necessity which again i think is is great and and most great ideas have that similar yeah of so
1: so years ago john and i were working on a different company together it was a website and we were doing a redesign for it um we had two different redesigns options from our designer and we were trying to pick which one was best up to that point we were used to kind of asking friends and family and all that kind of stuff but you know, as any entrepreneur knows, once you start asking your friends and family a bunch of times, like they they kind of get sick of giving you feedback and they start saying things like, "Oh, you'll whatever you choose is probably best," and and it, <laughs> you know, not useful anymore. So, uh, also, they're not really our target audience, but it was you know convenient. So, we decided to build a solution to gather feedback for ourselves. Around that time, the whole lean startup. Idea was going around and, and kind of getting out of your office to go talk to people in coffee shops and, and getting real feedback. Being engineers and introverts, we also didn't want to go into a coffee shop with someone. <laughs> so we figured, is there a way that we could build a digital focus group so that we can gather like, this real world feedback from strangers without having to leave our house? And so that's where PickFoo was born. And so we built a prototype where uh, we were able to compare two different options. We went out, we, we paid people to respond to them online. And uh, it was incredibly useful for ourselves. so we you know we slapped the PayPal button on it at the time and shared it with other entrepreneurs. And you know they didn't really think much of it because we were still focused on this other business. And so it started gaining traction on its own, and uh, the feedback for it was incredible. People said like, "Oh, this saved me so much time." and And we started seeing all kinds of different use cases for it, which was really cool. In the beginning, one of the earliest ones that we didn't foresee was authors actually testing book titles and book covers. Uh, Tim Ferriss had written about how he used Google Ads to test the 4-Hour Workweek title and kind of used data to choose the right title. And so uh, it became very popular to be data-driven about book titles and book covers. And PickFu fit in really well because it was a much easier than running Google Ads, as anyone who tried to run ads uh, can attest. And so right. you know, we, we had a lot of self-publishing authors testing it out. Because they also, they don't have a publisher and an editor to give them this you know this advice on like what title and, and cover to use. So yeah, that was kind of our, our first customer segment that, that it really took hold. We found like an interesting use case for them. And then it kind of evolved into a few different ones. We had some gaming companies using it. And then most recently, a lot of e-commerce sellers, so people selling online, doing product concept testing or main images or marketing copy, kind of anything, anything that you want to test before you invest a significant amount of time or resources into. Absolutely. That's great. And so the other thing that I've
0: I've heard you say and and read in, in your LinkedIn is that this is best used when it's in small iterations. So it's not something, something you're going to test things that you know the answer to right but yep. you want you're going to test things that like you said you're going to you're going to uh, put a big chunk of money into so yeah if it's if it's a book title or or, t- or time right so if it's a book title you've now spent uh, months or years of time writing something and you know the number you know you can't change that after the fact or at least if you did it would be very difficult to do and that can affect book sales yeah on a pretty significant factor or if you're investing in and in creating a product and having it developed you're now putting a lot of sub costs in that. So better to iterate on the product prior to right. I'm now going to market. It's already been, you know, it's been developed. We've got the logo. We've got everything. Now, can you help me pick my Amazon image yeah, versus yeah. best to start, you know, on that journey early? Yeah. And grow with it, I guess. Is that?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you uh, a common customer journey that we see is that people will come to us because they've got a product that's not selling well. So maybe they're selling on Amazon and some kind of marketplace and it's a very competitive landscape. So what they'll do is they'll test out their main image against like their competitors, you know, whatever, a teapot or something. And they'll test it out on, on PickFood to try to understand like why it's not doing well. What Correct. inevitably happens is the feedback that they give, because we get all this written feedback. Not only do the people vote, but they, they write down why. And a lot of the written feedback will actually say, oh, I don't like your branding. I don't like your logo or <laughs> your packaging sucks or the product just doesn't look as good. And these guys are just trying to get feedback on the image. They just want to change the layout. <laughs> they, they don't want right. they already sunk $50,000 or something into the product and it's sitting in a warehouse somewhere and they're trying to sell it. But all this feedback is about things that they've already made decisions, probably didn't gather too much data on and it was a lot of you know, assumptions and, and, you know, the team making those decisions. And so, what we try to educate people is that you need to start earlier in the process. So even as you're iterating on your, your, your company name or your product name or your branding, get that feedback early so that your target audience isn't negatively reacting to it later. As you're designing the product, do they want the handle in that style? Do they want that color variation? Um, as you're designing the packaging, is the packaging going to resonate? So there's all these micro decisions that we're making. And if we wait all the way to the end, people are going to negatively react in a lot of different ways. And it's going to be really hard to make that change or even pinpoint like what specific thing, because it's not one specific thing anymore. It's a hundred different, it's everything I made. And we've seen, we've seen people testing. We have an example on our website of someone's testing some packaging design and I'm not great at color. I'm like red, green colorblind, but I could barely discern that there's like a, a color variation in the font. And so to me, they all pretty much look the same. But the, res- the, the breakdown in their responses is overwhelming for one particular color. And so it's funny because I think to most people, it'd be like, oh, whatever. like They all look the same. Just pick one and go. But clearly, there was uh, a strong preference for, for one of the, the factors. And I, I think what's really cool is seeing our customers iterating on these really small things that maybe you don't think are uh, significant. You know, Maybe it's a font. Like, maybe with serif or not sans serif or whatever it is but at the end of the day people have reactions to these things and especially if especially if it doesn't resonate with maybe the brand or the type of product that you're selling like that's that's the biggest uh issue a lot of times is people won't test this kind of resonant resonance you know whether it's uh the packaging design or even your marketing creatives like oh like that's weird like i thought you were a uh kitchen and home goods company, why is your, your brand name say something tech? You know, like that, it, it's a weird juxtaposition. And so all those factors go into people's uh, buying behavior and uh, things that should be tested early on.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And so in a, in a minute or two, I'm going to share. So you you uh, ran a PickFu. Yeah. Um, on Are frustrated by your marketing uh, cover image with an Amazon cover image versus two other marketing podcasts. And I'm going to I want to share my screen in a second or two and show everybody what exactly that feedback is. Yeah. And so when I do that, you're going to see, you know, one new thing that I know you added in the last year, I believe, was, again, AIs and in, in everything. So there's a nice AI summarization. Yep. And then uh, I think what so that's helpful. Obviously, some, you know, you get uh, the tone of what the feedback was. Uh, you get So at the very basic, if I'm understanding this from what I'm seeing, at the very basic, you get who won, right? So we, went, we, we won, which is yeah. great. So thumbs up for uh, frustrated by marketing on that one. Then you get this nice three or four paragraph summary as to why. Yep. And then what I think would be the most helpful, you know, so if I was starting from scratch, you know, let's say I we had met before we started this whole podcast, which is, a, and I'll, quick aside here, one of my, I think one of my favorite parts of this, doing this podcast journey has been sort of learning about new products, meeting new people. Like we we would not have been having this conversation, obviously, otherwise. And so, and maybe I wouldn't have ever heard of PickFu or, or yeah. gotten to meet you, Justin. So it's been great to kind of do that. But let's so let's pretend though we had met prior to, I had already known, known you prior to doing it. I would have tested out the title. Although that was that's one of, our title is one of our core taglines. So I was rooting for that to win. But for all I know, it's a terrible name. Um, <laughs> I think it's good. We would have tested out, the cover images and and yeah. and we would have gotten that and it's very granular with the feedback and I'll I'll show that in a second and then you even can dig down into demographic information which yeah. I think if you have bigger sample sizes you know our sample size was 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 fifteen which yeah. I, so if I understand correctly fifteen is the is your starting point so fifteen bucks is your yep. starting point to do this so it's a dollar a vote or a dollar a, a poll response, yeah a, a response started with fifteen so. The demographic info obviously will have more weight as you have a bigger sample size. Yeah. Um, but it is still very interesting some of the things that I can see in there even with only 15. Yeah. And, but again, that the really, the, the thing that I'm excited about and that I'm going to use even just from this sort of after the fact test is what people actually took the time to say. Mm-hmm. There's like very, very specific feedback. So it's a good panel of, it's not, I guess I get the impression it's not people just sitting on their couch doing this while they're watching TV. They're taking it Seriously,
1: yeah, and we and we spend a lot of effort trying to make sure that the data quality is high, and so we we tap into the same uh, consumer panels that a Procter and Gamble or Kraft might use with their you know their expensive consumer research teams, but we take a different approach to it. We we are able to layer in our own methodologies for data quality and also for audience targeting um, to make sure that every response that you are purchasing it is someone that's genuinely and uh, you know with good intention trying to answer it. And so, um, like you said, the, the feedback is very specific and that, that is where the true value is because that's where you're able to iterate on the next version. And so in the example that you're going to show, like we, we were testing it against some of your competitors in the space, but now that you've got some feedback, you could, if you were to update your, uh, your image, you could take that feedback and go back with your designer and say like, all right, well, maybe we're going to incorporate you know, these three things that people said and we'll test it, it test it out against maybe our old version see if it does better and if it does let's test it retest it against the competition see if it you know does even better and so that's kind of the process that we typically see for kind of anything that's in a competitive atmosphere which is you know most things so whether it's app icons or book covers or product images kind of baselining it against your competition then iterating based on all that written feedback and you, that might take a few times for you to get it right and sometimes it goes in different directions and it's like alright well that iteration didn't do any better let's go back to what the feedback was and see if we can go in, in, in the right direction and then just really making sure before you go live with it to then validate it against the competition again to know that okay cool I'm going to go out with very high confidence that this is going to do well in the open marketplace and this is this is what all of our most successful customers are doing. This is the process that they follow.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I know when I'm my first, my personal first pick boo is going to be, which is I'm very intrigued by the the Mr. Beast cover photos on YouTube and how well they do that, like <laughs> yeah. big cheesy grin, open smile. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, marketing podcasts, photography podcasts, or, or, or YouTube's, and you know, this is a podcast, but we're heavily YouTube focused. They do that so i don't know i actually don't know the history of who came first on that but i have to get some cheesy photos done but i want to test you know how much trust is lost versus how much click-through rate (laughs) is uh gained by that so that's what i that's my plan for my first one to do yeah well yeah let me share my screen here and i'm gonna go through the one that you did for us okay so Pickfood.com, nice logo So I like, I'm going to go through it to tell what I like and and how I, again, this is, first of all, it's really nice that you can just share these results with anybody, Yeah, right? So you were able to share this with me. I haven't set up my account yet. So this is just, you can share it with your, with your coworkers. You can share it with, if you're doing this as an agency, you could share with your clients. They don't have all your, you're setting this. So that in itself is like very user-friendly. I like that you set up, you set up the scene, right? So instead of just saying like, which one do you like better? You tell them what you're asking, right? So this is great. So. Business marketing podcast, you didn't ask them to interpret that. You told them that ahead of time. And then obviously, you know, which would you, which would you click? So that I think is great. Obviously, you're going to want a short question. I'm assuming this is about as long as they should be. Maybe, maybe three lines at the most. I think that's great. And then you give the three options. So I didn't ask you this when we talked last time, but I assume these, you know, you show a always at the end, but it varies as you're
1: showing it. It's, It's randomized it's for each respondent it's randomized so the option label is consistent so it may be like cba or bac or whatever it is so that in the in the feedback that it it makes sense okay but the order is randomized that they see it okay so sometimes
0: a sometimes b is here in the a slot or whatever okay got it is the one you want to pick ever not a like so it's not so
1: obvious yeah you i mean it, it doesn't matter where you put it. So you could you could put yours in B. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it would have been uh, the same response if it was in B. Yeah.
0: No, I, I think it would have too. But yeah. yeah, so
1: you can totally randomize it as your... As your oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It, it just so yeah. happened that yours was in the first spot, yeah. Got it. Okay. So again, 10 response out of the 15 yeah. picked us, which is great. And number two is uh, Paul Brains over here, uh, which is nice. And then you Ken Jones with one then you get this really nice ai summary there's a, a lot of talk about them saying that they like the professional design of our uh, our image which is great there was a, a lot of res- a lot they liked the title yeah. you know they responded to the frustration of marketing which is why we picked it <laughs> and a lot of people liked that it was madison and i uh, as co-hosts you know yeah. so the, the male female perspective yeah that's good which was also great and I don't know if this matters, but the other sort of piece of, of Madison I is, you know, the age difference that wasn't mentioned, but um, I that's great. You know, I like the fact that you know, she's younger and, and I'm older and we can kind of talk from different generations as that's well. Good, so yeah. she's a Gen Z, I'm Gen X. That might not have been, you know, as clear here. Yeah. Or maybe people didn't want to say that I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's great. So, you know, so you get this, I'm not going to read through the whole thing right now, but you get this summary. And if you're, you know, at the very least, you've already gotten your money's worth there. Then you can drill down to all the specific responses and see exactly what they said. So this is the order. And a lot, you know, most of the people went ABC. Yep. And then at least uh, I think everybody that picked us went in that order. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So that's also interesting to see kind of the orders. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And then those that picked number or letter B, they, the order was a little bit all over the place as to why. So you could probably interpret some stuff from that as well. So if somebody liked this, you know, they might not like us for some reason, but then again, you can literally read the specific messaging here. So I think everyone feels frustrated with marketing. So the title really speaks to me. Like that's cool for us to know. Mm-hmm. It reinforces me liking the title. Yeah, right. And I, that's great. And then again, there's some talk about the background color. They like the background color. They they again they liked the fact that it was a male and a female host. They liked that there were two hosts and there would be a discussion. That's over here. Mm-hmm. So this all reinforces why we picked stuff and it would have been you know it would have reinforced what we did in the past and again I think if we were iterating against ourselves which I wanted to do it will help us to make decisions. Then you get the demographic information you can see that we were less popular you know in this small demographic range with with younger audiences and more popular with older audiences. I also thought it was interesting that the only one I think we lost on was on Income range. So, but if you look at it, and again, I, I would love to see it, see this with a, a, a larger audience, which I may do. If you go back here, I don't know if I had a high net worth, maybe Paul Green is the guy to go to. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> like he does look, he, lo- he looks a little bit more, more traditional financially. Right? Yeah. A little, yeah, a little, exactly. A little more traditional, maybe a little more financially savvy. So I get it. It makes, it makes sense to me. So you could drill down there. Very cool. And then there are the highlights. So this again takes that sentence that they gave you, and they gives you some some feedback. So people, what people thought of the graphic design, the image, the clarity of message, and so on, and it kind of breaks down what people liked and didn't like for all the different responses. So it it gives you it in all different directions. It gives yeah. you the raw data, it and analyzes it for you. And you know from here, you know this. So this would have been the last step. But if I was when I, when I do this test with the the Mr. Beast type cover photos, you know I'm going to take my photo and maybe maybe gary v or whoever else and i'm gonna put those next to each other and i'm gonna be able to i probably won't pick someone that's super well known yeah (laughs) but because i think that would skew it as well but i'll pick a few and then i'll be able to say like okay after all this iteration you know i didn't go too smiley but a little bit more eye-catching how did it work yeah i guess you can make variations that are similar to theirs but it's you right yeah right exactly we can play around with our colors i mean you know we're we're fairly set with our name at this point yeah. but the colors the the logo all of that can change and so we can we can iterate on that as we look to increase our our click through rates on youtube which is really you know again we're we're a podcast but youtube is our has been our focus and so whatever i can do to increase the yeah. by a few percentage points when you have thousands of people seeing it you get you know, even like 0.5 percentage point increases for this sure. is your your viewership so that's that's what it's all about and so that's for us and you know i know you mentioned you know, one of the big markets for you is on game app design. So yep. when someone's scrolling through the hundreds and thousands of apps on there, what's gonna make you click on this this specific app versus another one? Again, a point five percent bump could be sure. hundreds of downloads in a in a given year or a month. Yeah. On Amazon, it's really all about that's that's the name of the game, getting someone to click into your mm-hmm. as you're scrolling through. You know, aside from what you're paying for, there's you know, you're paying for premium listings as well. But once you get past those few ads, then it's, it's a free-for-all, right? And it's all yeah. about like which one. It's a little bit about price, but it's a lot about you know what's engaging with me. Why am I clicking
1: on this one? Yeah, I think it, I th- more and more, every, everything is being distributed through some kind of competitive marketplace, right? Whether it's the YouTube search results or Google search results or Amazon search or any, anything like that. And so really iterating on the creatives and the copy that the audience is seeing Will make a tremendous difference, especially when you start factoring in the volume of you know if you've got a lot of volume. R- really, any fractional percentage is going to make a tremendous impact. And and our polls are so cheap that the ROI is is <laughs> incredibly stupid uh, in terms of the math. Right? Uh, we had one Amazon seller who who did did a main image test just did some minor main image uh, layout tweaks. Yes, bar actually it's a it's like a popular. Uh, protein bar type thing and okay. uh, you know the poll was like 60 bucks and immediately had a 12 percent increase in oh in wow so that even point percent yeah 12 like percent that's, that's huge increase in click through rate they didn't change anything else they held everything else steady and so oh all right well that was easy you know like immediately more sales each day we'll make it back so incredibly simple and and they didn't have to do anything with their packaging or branding or anything they just kind of tweaked the you know the layout like shifted like we're the the angle that the package is in, you know, and emphasize different things. So uh, the smallest things can make a difference. Yeah,
0: and I think the other thing. So you mentioned before, like, so this this was created because you didn't want to go to coffee shops. Yes, yeah. I don't blame you. On you, your family was sick of the questions. Sometimes you're so ingrained into, like, like I said, yeah. frustrated by your marketing podcast. Like we did sort of shop it around in yeah. at Skyline, but I knew what I wanted it to be <laughs> because it's our tagline. But I'm also like way way like entrenched in this and maybe i'm you know i have a bias because i've been doing you know that's all i can see sometimes it'll get you out of your own head and yeah it'll, it'll it'll say like hey jim you know i know you think it's a really great name but it's it's terrible <laughs> like you should you should pick something else or you know give you the thumbs up that like hey you know you yeah. have, you're you're right on this one because as a founder or as as a creative that's you know you've got your baby like this is
1: and i've been yeah. doing this I mean, is the you, name i want It'll help you pick. <laughs> it's a sanity check, right? And even if it loses, at least you have the feedback on, on what the potential objections are, are going to be. And a lot of times we do have people who will pick, all right, well, I'm still going to go with this one. I'm fine with that feedback because maybe they look at the demographics of those people and, and it's not quite who they wanted to cater to anyways, or that, that was a fine polarizing thing that they wanted, right? So like, it's all just input. You're sort of the decision maker, but at least you have you know, that feedback ahead of time and it's not something that you're going to read about in the reviews, <laughs> you know, like much later down the line. So it's, it's just so that you have that heads up. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I would say
0: even the negative reviews or the negative feedback, like why they chose something else, like, you know, in this world, there's so much choice yeah. more and more to the, to the point of like, it's, it's becoming a problem. It's hard for us to, to focus, yeah. but me knowing why they picked B, and me not wanting to be like B, yeah. In, exactly. in that choice, <laughs> I could, I could almost take that and say, like, oh, this is exactly why, yeah. I need to do more of this. So yeah, you need lean even want. harder in the other direction, right? Yeah, like- right, because you you want that person to pick your your power bar or your podcast because they're right for you, exactly. So sometimes, again, sometimes hearing why they chose the competitor is would be almost more helpful than yeah. why they would pick you, yeah.
1: You don't, so it's great it's mean, never going to be 100% right and so you're you're trying to carve out your slice of the market and kind of like what your differentiating angle is going to be and that's never going to resonate with everyone so you know you as a decider needs to pick what that's going to be and you know frustration was what you wanted to lean into so like you know you're not going to you're not going to change a tagline just because that turns some people off right like you're going for the people who are frustrated by the marketing exactly exactly and there are plenty of
0: people to listen to marketing podcasts that are looking, you know, it's the guy who says, I took 20 businesses to seven figures in yeah. two years. And I like, there's that financial guru type of thing. Yeah. And that's not, you know, that's not something that I've done. And it's not something that I talk about. And so you should go listen to, to that guy um, for that, you know, that sort of marketing financial combo, which is there's a lot of podcasts that do that. And so I think it's it's good to kind of again, lean into your niche. So pick who helps you do that, you know, by both telling you what you're doing right and what, you know, maybe what you're doing wrong or maybe what, what others are doing right that are not your audience. And just knowing, you know, picking your audiences, or I guess knowing, knowing your audience is what this, it helps you, I guess it helps you reinforce
1: your knowledge of your audience. Yes. In a way. Yeah. And then make sure uh, whatever you're putting out there like, is on the, would you expect it to be right? And w- whether it's resonating, making sure like that that message is being communicated, or people can can tell what the product does, you know, one of the one of the funniest polls that I think is incredibly useful for a lot of people actually is we, we can do open ended ones. You don't have to always compare. You could just put up something, and a lot of times agencies who are working with let's say product creators who have designed like their own packaging, they'll they'll put up this test that. What do you think this what do you think this is and what do you think it does? <laughs> and they'll put up like, their packaging and it's invariably horrible, right? Because you know, the, <laughs> maybe the founder didn't have any designer design sense. Mm-hmm. And the feedback's always hilarious because it's like I have no idea what it does or they'll think, you know, it's something completely off. Uh one example was this it looked like a little rake, but because uh, the image you couldn't tell like what the s- sense of the scale was. So so it looked like a rake. It looked like a back scratcher. It looked like one of those Zen sand things, and so you know the feedback was all over the place. Like, what do you think this is? And there just wasn't enough context with the image of the packaging. And so, you know, like people don't know if it shows up in the search results. It's like, I don't know what I'm getting. Like, is this a full size? R- <laughs> Am I clicking on a full size rake or is this a back scratcher? So it's just it's funny to make sure that whatever you're putting out there. Is being communicated correctly, and a lot of times it isn't. Of course, yes.
0: And I would say the other sort of piece of this is when you're when you're iterating, is that the real world still exists as part of your like that's part of your your focus group too. So yeah, it doesn't mean there's no. I'm assuming you'd agree with this. There's no right answer. Yeah. So you adjust your Amazon image, you get it out there, you grow by twelve percent. That doesn't mean that you can't take that, or maybe you lose. I mean, it doesn't mean sometimes. You know, you could have the best focus group in the world. They can go in the wrong direction, for sure. and you learn from that too. So, so you then take that—that's your real life poll. Yeah. And now you bring that back in, and you retest it again. Yeah. Like you, you know, you you now have you can say, okay, we did that for a month. We grew by five percent. I want to grow by ten. What what can we do now? This is telling me, you know, I'm taking my Amazon demographic information. I can see that now, all of a sudden, we're not appealing to to men anymore. Yeah. Maybe we went too female focused, yeah. or maybe we need two different product images or two different, you know, you know that there's going to be as you're, if you're really taking the time to think about this stuff, there's, you're never going to be done, I guess. You know, there's always, there's always another question to
1: ask, I guess. And that's, that's part of what you make really easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said earlier in the podcast, like these are all incredibly fast. So I think the one that I ran for you probably took a, a matter of minutes. So if if you're doing 15 to 50 and it's you know not too specific of an audience it'll probably be done in 15 30 minutes if it's more targeted in a larger pool it, it will take longer but that is fast enough for you to go have your coffee come back and, and iterate in the same day on different on variations and much faster than going to the coffee shop and talking to people in person right and way faster than putting together your own focus oh. group <laughs> and uh, and cheaper. way
0: way cheaper way cheaper <laughs> So one other thing that we had talked about last time was you, there are some examples. I don't not that I don't even know if you've got them on the top of your head, but sometimes people will see your product and then go go buy from you, right? So again, so if you're you know, these are these are people in the US that are our purchasers and they might see, you know, they might have seen of those ten people that picked our podcast, some of them might be listening yeah. right now. Yeah. They're like, oh, let me check this out. And then, you know, obviously, there's no link there to do it, but. They could do a search for you, or they could go and download your game, or they can go and buy your product on Amazon, which I think is sort of a nice little added bonus on the side, which is cool. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much for being on, Justin. I really appreciate it. I know that if people want to find you, they should go to LinkedIn. Yeah. Type in Justin mm-hmm. Chen. And if you go to pickfu.com, P I C K F U.com, you enter the code fbym you'll get 50% off your first pickfu and i again i strongly suggested everybody check this out and test it out you know, it doesn't have to be a big i you know i guess that's the other thing it doesn't have to be like i'm testing this like earth shattering exactly. thing like <laughs> test test something you know i'm always i guess i'm i'm anti over And over focus on data where people will spend more money than they'll save (laughs) to to analyze something. But this is a case where like you're gonna get fifteen bucks back. Like you know, that's you know, there's no there's almost nothing that would be worth testing that you won't get that return on, even if it's just to tell you that it's a bad idea. You know, now you've maybe saved, you know, thousands of dollars because you're not going down the wrong the wrong path. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So whatever you're working on, maybe it's a marketing campaign, maybe it's some new ads branding, logos, uh, even collaterals. Like we'll, we'll test out collateral all the time if we're going to a conference, flyers, that kind of stuff, business cards. So like literally anything that's going to be published, printed, like put out in the real world, you could test it before you, know, you get public eyes on it. And that private feedback is incredibly useful. So yeah, definitely give it a shot. Definitely guarantee that you'll get $15 worth Absolutely.
0: So we'll have all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Justin. You know, check Justin out on LinkedIn. He's constantly talking about. Again, he talks about remote work, which again is sort of a passion of mine. He's obviously talking about just about pick food in general and just business in general because this is this is there's very few businesses this wouldn't impact. So there's yeah. a lot of interesting stuff there. And uh, again, I, I really appreciate you joining me. I'm so glad that that we're that I'm on this sort of podcast journey so I can meet cool people like you and learn about, you know, businesses I had never heard of. And so I hope that more people learn about PicFu and, and you guys continue to grow and help other companies grow, which is, you know, really at the basis of uh, what you do. So Great. thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Like, subscribe, check out Justin on LinkedIn. Check out that that link for PicFu, and we'll see you next time.